Welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Here is your host, Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof, a nationally recognized health educator, author of the award-winning book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and creator of the Talk Puberty app. And welcome to the Puberty Prof Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. As you might know, young people are very curious, in which when we bring up the topic of puberty and adolescence, young people have a lot of questions. And that's why I wrote my book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. So today, what we're going to talk about on the Puberty Prof Podcast are some of the common questions young people ask about body parts and experiences about most boys or for most boys, if I say it like that. So to help me out, I invited Dr. Ryan Fisk. I met Ryan many years ago in New York and he's affiliated with New York State AFERD. And I remember him as just being a passionate, updated person for health education, but also some other things he's gonna share with you in a moment. So before I continue, Ryan, would you like to say hi to our audience? Sure. Hi, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. And thanks again for being here today, Dr. Fisk. Would you mind telling us a little bit about your background? Sure, absolutely. So um, most of my background is in secondary education. I was a health and physical education teacher for quite some time. I was a district uh, director of PE, health and athletics for some time and actually took a turn Uh, into technology, uh, an area I've always been passionate about. Uh, I serve now as a director of technology for a school district on Long Island. uh, And I'm always looking, and I, even as a health and PE teacher, I've always been looking to marry, uh, you know, effective technology into health PE. And now in my current role, uh, embedding technology into all different content areas for the sake of our students, for the betterment of our uh, instruction, and just to keep kids engaged and make learning um, personal, meaningful, and authentic. Wonderful. Well, thank you. And thanks for doing what you do for your school district. Thank you. Today, we're going to be going over some questions that are commonly asked that more that pertains to more boys. And before I start those questions, do you remember going through puberty, that experience? Yes, I I do. Um, you know, there were, there were, I guess, two parts of the experience I remember. There was the, the education part, and then there was the, the actual puberty part. And, you know, because of the way, you know, um, boys and girls undergo these changes, sometimes they're not always in lockstep with each other. Um, for me, you know, speaking to the education part, it was fifth grade. That was the time we got, you know, in school to talk. I actually brought a souvenir with me today for this podcast. Uh, hold it up for you. This was the, the book. The book that I uh, that, and my classmates that we received uh, as part of the talk for the boys. Uh, for those of you just listening, if you can't see this, I'm just holding up a, a little soft cover um, uh, resource here that our teacher gave us uh, as we were discussing the changes in the body and uh, some things to expect. Yeah. And thanks for doing that. It's a great reminder that if you'd like to watch this episode, you can go to the YouTube chab- channel of Lori Reichel, the Puberty Prof. So this is available on YouTube as well as on your favorite podcast platform. 
So do you remember anything more specifically about those physical changes? And you don't have to answer this question. I'm just wondering, and you know, if something comes to mind and it might happen as we're, we're going over some questions. I think one of the more notable, I guess for me, and um, perhaps it was less in, in changes with, with, you know, genitalia and everything else that, that for the most part, we, we do commonly um, liken with puberty. For me, it was the, the cracks in the voice. It was the okay. growth spurt. Um, you know, those are some of the other biological changes that happen uh, as you as you progress into adolescence, as you go through puberty. Um, and that was, I guess, part of my, uh, and I think, you know, my peers, uh, my classmates around me, those are the things that were, were more easily noticed um, and, you know, I guess, discussed during class, um, you know, some formally, informally. Um, you know, there were changes to to skin, you know, development of acne, uh, all totally normal, um, you know, and it's and maybe the double edged sword as you're, or double whammy, I should say, as uh, you're going into, you know, middle school for boys, typically, this is where the change is occurring, you know, um, sixth, seventh, eighth grade, um, you know, middle school for, for many, and I'm sure um, many of us listening and watching can can probably uh, relate to this middle school is a stressful time in general, you know, and then you throw, you throw puberty and all these changes that are happening into the mix and it's a lot to contend with. And, and, you know, um, going to the skin changes, acne and everything else, they, they typically, you know, correlate that with stress. Uh, so it's, it's stress. Yes. But then it's also puberty. Yes. You know, and I, I have that in the book to prove it. So <laughs> I say that was one of the things that you should expect. Um, your, your skin is secreting more oil, which is, um, which is why it's important to, uh, to wash, to shower, and everything else, and particularly to pay to pay attention to your um, your skin and, and and more particularly your face. I noticed too that you seem to remove any facial hair that you get. Yes, yeah. So I um I, I'm trying to think about when I started that routine. Um, I when I was younger had like platinum blonde hair. Um, so, you know, my facial hair was light and thin, um, now not so much, um, you know, so yeah, I actually, and I'm getting a little of the, you can't see it now because I, yes, I am shaving. Um, <laughs> so, um, you know, I'm getting a little of the, uh, what do you call it? Salt and pepper. So my hair up here is for the most part, like a sandy blonde, like a light Brown, but, uh, but I am, you know, um, uh, grooming and the facial hair, um, hair under your arms. Uh, genital area, that's all part of those changes too. Okay. And to remove any of that hair is certainly a personal decision. Like when I pointed out that you have a, a fresh, uh, it looks like a fresh shaved face on my side through Zoom. So, and that's a personal decision that you make. Oh, he's putting his face a little closer to the Zoom here, <laughs> folks. <laughs> Very funny. And can I go back to the cracking of the voice? Mm -hmm. Now, when you were younger, potentially you still had a house phone. Did you ever pick it up in which somebody thought you were a, a female because your voice was changing? Did you ever have that experience? I can't say I've had that experience, although okay. um, maybe maybe beyond the scope of that question, I sometimes get, get questioned if I'm a female on the phone now. Um, really? So, okay. Yeah. 
So I don't, I, I, I mean, I can't, I can't think specifically to, to what you're saying, you know, back, back then. Um, but mm -hmm. I, I think telephones in general are, are not, um, at least for me, are not a good metric of a person's, uh, you know, voice and mm -hmm. perhaps gender identity uh, either. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so if somebody's listening in and that happens to them where people misidentify them, how do you recommend they handle that on the phone? Well, oftentimes it's, you know, it's somebody who I don't know, who doesn't know that, and my first name is Ryan. So, you know, we have male Ryans, female Ryans. So that, that name in and of itself doesn't necessarily denote, um, you know, gender identity. Um, so it's usually somebody who, who I don't know. So they're calling me um, Mr. or Mrs. Fisk sometimes, my last name. So they, oh, Mrs. Fisk, um, I'll just, you know, correct them over to Mr. Fisk. Uh, okay. that's, that's usually how the correction works because it's they're not calling me Ryan uh, because it's you know it's a vendor it's a whoever else okay so you correct them quickly and you let it go for the most part yes yeah Excellent. I think I think yes I, I think that's a resounding yes <laughs> so if we can jump to something else you had said and we'll look at questions that kids ask about this and that's about the reproductive system changes which includes that the genitals that most boys have will grow and they'll grow proportionately to other parts of their bodies so it's just like as our hands grow and it it looks proportional to like the rest of our like our arm and body parts that's the same thing with the body parts of the external parts of the penis, the scrotum, which holds the testicles. So if we're okay to jump to some questions about that, are you okay with that, Ryan? Yeah. So when kids hear about that growth and they hear about testicles, they typically ask the question, what do testicles do? Or why do people have them? Do you want to explain the answers to that? Absolutely. So let me jump back also with the with the growth part as well, because that's sure. I think that's I think that's an important point of discussion, too. Um, and I do remember, you know, after skimming through once again, this book um, and there's a lot of information that holds true now. Uh, you know, folks are going to the gym, we're working out, we're staying healthy. Sometimes you're in the locker rooms. Sometimes you happen upon somebody else. You see them, uh, you see genitals and you say, OK, this is you know, things look a little bit different. Um, you know, our bodies, and I think, uh, Laura, you said it perfectly, you know, proportional to the rest of our bodies, um, we are designed in, in a certain way, anatomically. And um, and I think the the size, um, you know, of genitals and various features is, you know, it's, uh, it's, it's not a, it's basically how our bodies, the blueprints of how our bodies are designed. Um, you know, big, medium, small, uh, it's not an indication of how much um, uh, testosterone, which we can talk about in a subsequent question as well. It's not an indication of how much testosterone or or manhood a person may have. It is just how your body is designed. Some folks are tall, some folks are short, higher metabolism, lower metabolism, different waist sizes. You know, I mean, we're looking around in the streets. We're all different people. And that's, uh, you know, genetics, of course, plays a role in that as well. So, um, so roll the testicles, uh, and, and, you know, so they produce, they produce our sperm, um, and, and, you know, in the, in the tens of millions is the, is the reservoir. Um, so sperm are available. That's the male sex cell. And that's what we're using to fertilize a, um, you know, a female egg, uh, which comes of course from the woman's side. Uh, sperm are, are very small and they swim around uh, inside of the scrotum, 
uh, inside of the testicles, which is located inside of the scrotum. And the scrotum plays a unique role as well because the scrotum helps in regulating the temperature of the testicles. Um, sperm cells like to live in uh, a little bit of a cooler environment. They like to dial the AC up a little bit. So our bodies are 98.6 degrees, but the sperm like to live um, in, a, in a slightly cooler temperature, which is why um, the testicles and the scrotum exist outside of the male body for that very reason. You already said that the testicles are held outside the body, held in the scrotum sac. How many testicles does a person typically have? Typically, there's going to be two. Can they have one or three? Yes. The answer to that is yes. Um, uh, perhaps for a variety of reasons, whether it's, um, you know, for uh, surgical uh, removal or born with an extra one, but the answer would be yes. Yes. And they can still release sperm and all that. Yeah, you know, I mean, you just need one because right. when those testicles create sperm and it's released, there are so many sperm that's released that you just need one to fertilize that egg that you referred to earlier. So how would you recommend a young person protect their penis and testicles? Like if they're concerned about them, maybe in sports or for something else? Well, there's protective equipment for, um, you know, a, a cup uh, typically comes to mind, especially if you're, um, you know, if you're playing baseball, softball, um, anything where you may come into contact with a projectile, uh, lacrosse, another sport, for example, for those of us uh, on Long Island and Maryland, big lacrosse towns here. Um, so yeah, there's protective uh, sports equipment that will um, cover um, penis, testicles, um, and make sure that any um, any impact would be, it was like a helmet, basically would just bounce off and uh, make sure you don't get injured. Now, as a person who does not have scrotum sac and a penis, I can only imagine what it's like to have those parts of the body that kind of hang and they're in your underwear. So like, is there sometimes that it can get, get uncomfortable or is there a certain type of underwear that people wear for that uncomfortable feeling? Sure. So, you know, I, the, the two major um, types of underwear, we have boxers and then we have briefs. And then of course you have boxer briefs that are really uh, like briefs, but look like boxers. So just to go through that. So boxers are um, a more of a loose fitting that, um, you know, loose fitting undergarment where there's really no uh, support. As you mentioned, external uh, things are hanging. Um, so boxers don't really offer you the support. Uh, but, you know, some would argue that if you're planning to uh, have a family, if you're older, you're, you know, mature, you're ready to, um, you know, con consider trying to have children, um, boxers are sometimes thought of as the, the better route because they allow, remember talking about temperature regulation, they allow the scrotum to uh, do its work of um, retracting up to the body when it's cold and dropping further down when it's warm to make sure that the um, that our testicles and sperm cells are kept at the temperature they need to. Boxes will allow for that to happen. Now, when you get into briefs, briefs uh, will provide the support um, and keep everything you know close and tight to the body. So you know the perhaps we could think of that as more comfortable. Uh, for some, but then unfortunately briefs come at the expense of keeping the uh, scrotum sac uh, up against the body, which means that the scrotum can't do, uh, or it's not able to do as well what it's designed to do. 
So okay. depending on who you ask. So it's important to know that the, those two options uh, of underwear that are out there, but really depending on who you ask, you, and, and of course, where you are in your stage of life, will um, you, you may get different opinions from uh, your pediatrician or your doctor. So I've heard of compression shorts that some people with a penis and a scrotum sack wear. And they kind of like compress things closer to the body. Would you say that's correct? Yes, I would say that. And I think that that's, that's probably the, the same concept as wearing briefs, but then to another level, because you're, you're you know, using it for uh, heat regulation for the rest of your body. Um, I'm an avid skier, so I wear um, typically, especially when going out to the cold for eight hours at a time, uh, you know, like a base layer and that's compression, that's compression, everything. Uh, and that wicks away the sweat and it keeps your, keeps your, helps keep your body warm, uh, just in the same way that, a, that a wetsuit, uh, does. So you made me think of another question that wasn't on our original list. And that is when a person who has a penis and a scrotum sac it might be more the scrotum sack. Say if they are wearing something that is loose briefs or boxers and it gets a little sticky and they want to readjust. Like I don't feel comfortable when people readjust that part of their body in front of me. And I've witnessed it a little too often because of either coaching or being an administrator of a physical education department. Any advice for somebody that if they have like that happen, how they can handle that? Well, gosh, I think I think one thing to point out is um, maybe preventative measures. So um, I know a popular product out there. There's um, like a um, one brand is Gold Bond medicated powder, for example. So that's like a baby powder with some other um, cooling uh, elements in it as well. That helps to um, that can help with comfort, especially if it's hot out, especially if you're participating in phys ed class. There's a lot of movement, or if you're playing after school sports. Um, there's a lot of movement, your body's sweating. Uh, and of course, you know, male genitalia are external. So, you know, there is uh, some points where if you're running, there's some contact on the inside of your thighs. Uh, so, so sometimes the medicated powder or baby powder uh, can help with that. So that may reduce the need for the readjusting uh, and also afford, um, afford our young adults some more uh, comfort too. Um, so I guess as far as, as, as adjusting, Hmm. It's an interesting question. And I know that everybody has different perspectives as to what, you know, like, should I, you know, blowing your nose, sneezing, and, uh, you know, there's other things that are, you know, I guess part of part of our, our bodies as well, and things that we undergo and things that we have to do. And um, I think as an educator, as a coach, uh, perhaps I might want to establish, uh, you know, some some house rules. Uh, if that were important to me and, um, you know, and maybe just, maybe just have a word if it's, you know, if you have uh, an individual who does adjust themselves, um, you know, often in front of the group and maybe other people are uncomfortable from that as well, uh, maybe just pull them over, um, you know, aside privately, discreetly, uh, and maybe just have a word with them and, and uh, you know, discuss uh, that maybe there's a better place if possible um, they can step out or, you know, do that in a, in a more private setting. Thanks for reminding me of that because I actually had a course 
that we were online, we were WebExing and a student got up and readjusted themselves. And I was like, okay, remember everybody can see you. And they didn't take the hint. So I actually had to meet with them one-on-one -on -one. and he was amazed that he did that. He's like, I'm really sorry, I didn't mean to, but sometimes we have to do that to speak with someone one-on-one. -on -one. Right. Because it was very apparent, it was very apparent. Um, so I do wanna remind people that are listening in that if you have a vulva, please don't use powders easily in the genitalia, genitalia area because we have the, the area that can go into the vaginal opening and there's some research to support that things are not healthy for the inside of the vagina. So please, if you have a vulva, watch what you put into that area of your body. So let me jump to something else that you brought up earlier and it's the question of does size matter? Because I've heard some kids go, well, if you have a bigger penis, that means it's better. How would you answer to a, a person that size doesn't matter? I mean, I think I'm gonna go back to, you know, what I had touched on before is that, you know, we are all designed, you know, we genetics uh, serve as the blueprint for how we are going to grow and develop. Um, mm -hmm. And that's the good and the bad, you know, some of us have, uh, we harbor genetic mutations, and then that can manifest itself in, um, you know, not to be doom and gloom, but that can manifest itself in complications and things that you need to be aware of um, at some point in your life. Um, you know, so we're all, you know, we have uh, chromosomes that are, that are written a certain way that basically um, dictates how we're going to grow and evolve and, uh, and develop, and that includes genitalia as well. Um, the size of uh, a boy or a man's penis is not indicative of, of um, manhood or how much testosterone is, is in the body. And uh, testosterone is a, is a male hormone um, that females exhibit as well, but it's more prevalent in our males. Um, so it's not indicative of that either. It's just part of our blueprint. And that's how I'd respond to that. There's no good, uh, better, best uh, in terms of the size of the penis uh, or the testicles, um, you know, it, this is just how we're designed. Now we're coming to the end of today's recording in which Ryan's going to come back for another episode and talk about more things, more common questions children ask, particularly about occurrences to most boys. So he'll be back. But before we end today, is there anything else you'd like to share in which we did already cover a lot? If you have nothing else to share, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, I, you know, I think this is great. I love the questions. Um, it was great to be able to share. I thank everybody for uh, listening and for those of you that are on YouTube for watching. Um, if anybody uh, would like to reach out, you can find me on Twitter at Ryan underscore Fisk. There's an underscore between the Ryan and the Fisk. Uh, so that's me on Twitter, or you can visit uh, www.fisk, that's F-I-S-K dot N-Y-C uh, to learn more about me and to uh, get in touch if you need anything. And I'll make sure that I have those links in today's description for the podcast episode, in which, Ryan, I thank you so much for being here today. Thank you. And as I said, Ryan's going to be returning to another episode, so stay tuned for that episode. And if you would like to get in touch with me, Remember that you can email me at pubertyprof at gmail.com or go to pubertyprof.com and check out my website. You can fill out a, a comment box there. 
and feel free to recommend future episodes and all that. If, and if you want to know more questions about what children ask about puberty, check out my book. It's the Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty, and it's won some awards, including the Mom's Choice Award, which I'm really excited about. Also, you can check out the Talk Puberty app, in which was created. It has questions from the book, Common Questions, uh, and then there's very simple age and developmentally appropriate answers on that app. So I thank you so much for listening in today, and I hope that you have a happy and healthy day. Thank you for listening to the Puberty Prof Podcast, where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics. Did you enjoy this episode? Please like, share, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also follow the Puberty Prof on Twitter or Instagram. The Puberty Prof, Lori Reichel, wants to hear from you. Go to pubertyprof.com or click on the link in this episode's description. There you can find more information, as well as ask questions to be answered by the Puberty Prof in a future episode. That's pubertyprof.com. Also, remember to check out the Talk Puberty app and the book, Common Questions Children Ask About Puberty. Until next time, this is the Puberty Prof Podcast where information and tools are shared to help you have conversations about puberty and other growing up topics.